0: In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The church in Corinth is on the brink of disaster. When Paul founded the church in Corinth, it seemed to be the perfect place from which to spread the gospel across the empire into the ends of the earth. Corinth was a cosmopolitan city on the coast, an active port, and a site of international trade. As such, it was a place filled with people from across the world. The city was a menagerie of cultures, of customs, of languages, and of values. So perhaps it is not surprising that when this diverse group of people chose to live and work together in Christian community, Conflict ensued. In his letter, Paul writes to the church in Corinth about each of their issues and guides the community as it imagines its way forward. One debate plaguing the Corinthians concerned meat, sacrificed to idols. Now, in Paul's day, the city was filled with many small temples dedicated to pagan gods. In each temple, from time to time, the pagans offered up a meat sacrifice, a slaughtered cow or lamb or goat, and the animal was roasted, and the smoke floated up to the God while the meat remained to be eaten by human worshippers. Some members of the church in Corinth were joining the pagans, helping to consume the meat which had been offered to the God. In fact, Sometimes the meat which had been sacrificed to Jupiter or Apollo or Venus was sold again in the marketplace and consumed there. So the habit of eating meat, which had been sacrificed to an idol, grew. And in reaction, two factions formed. On one side was the opposition, those who believed that eating meat offered to an idol contradicted their Christian faith. It's wrong, they said. It's idol worship. It's a sin. On the other side were the meat eaters who said, What does it matter? I know these gods aren't real. Eating the meat might look like worship, but I know it's not. It doesn't hurt to eat the food. Why let good meat go to waste? It sounds like the Corinthians are in need of a judgment call. Someone to tell them which course of action is right, which course of action is wrong, and which they should choose as they move into the future. But that's not what Paul does. Instead of encouraging them to do only what they know or think they know is right, he encourages them to think first of one another. Paul writes... That even though there is nothing wrong with eating meat which has often been offered to a god you know isn't real, he encourages the Christians in Corinth to abstain for the sake of others. What if someone new to the faith, turning away from pagan gods themselves, sees you, a Christian, in the temple eating a pagan sacrifice? won't it cause them to stumble in their walk with Christ? Might it lead them back to the worship of a false god? Might it confuse them as they come to know Christ for the very first time? As you discern your future, Paul says, remember that it is more important to care for one another, more important to welcome strangers well, than it is to be right. It is more important to keep God's people together than it is to be right. It is more important to build up your community with love than it is to be right. Instead of gathering like-minded people, and creating a community of people who agree with us, whom we deem to be right. Paul is advocating that Christians practice an incredible grace, an incredible love, an incredible welcome. And he can advocate for it so convincingly because he experienced it himself. Paul was called by Christ on the road to Damascus at a time when Paul had almost nothing right. He persecuted Christians. He fought against the church, and he advocated for a scrupulous adherence to the law over and against all else. And God welcomed him into the body of Christ anyway. God called him to be an apostle anyway. Not because Paul was right on a doctrinal issue but because God loves Paul. God wanted Paul in his church not because Paul had the right position on a key issue but because God loves Paul. Paul was welcomed into the body of Christ and given an opportunity to grow in the knowledge and love of God and in his conversion. Paul learned the power of a true welcome. That welcome transformed Paul, and Paul transformed the church forever. Paul spent his life welcoming Gentiles into the church, folks whom many early Christians thought could not have a place in the body of Christ because they did not yet have the right faith, or the right adherence to the law, or the right knowledge of Scripture. And even though many disagreed, even though many thought the Gentiles to be unworthy, Paul welcomed them. Paul baptized them. Paul loved them. And the church grew at an unimaginable rate. Christian communities popped up across the empire, and an astounding number of people came to faith. And now you and I, Gentiles, have a place in the church today because of Paul and his ministry. We have come to know and love God in Christ because of a welcome which began thousands of years ago. And if we wish to continue Paul's good work, if we wish to see our own community grow, then we, like Paul, must build the church with love. As Paul so astutely wrote, knowledge puffs up, love builds. In a polarized country, divided along lines of right and wrong, of liberal and conservative, of good people and bad people, here at All Saints, we refuse to make idols of our convictions We refuse to declare one side, one party, one political movement right and the other wrong. We do not take a stand on the issue of the day. We don't claim to be right about anything. Here, we say that no matter who you are, no matter your politics, no matter if I happen to think you're right, you're welcome here. But more than that, You're necessary here. At All Saints, our common bonds are more important than our desire to be right. At All Saints, we believe that building up the body of Christ cannot begin with a judgment, with a litmus test for adequate belief or ideological purity or right politics. At All Saints, Our love for one another is made manifest in a trust that God is at work in the lives of those with whom we disagree. Our love is made manifest in a respect for opinions different than our own. Our love is made manifest in our continuous attempt to honor the dignity of every human being, no matter their politics, no matter their culture, no matter their social standing. That humble love will be our guide as we build our future together. Tomorrow's church, if it is to grow, if it is to thrive, must not forget that there is no issue, no election, no political agenda which is more important than loving and welcoming and respecting our brothers and sisters standing across from us. Tomorrow's church, if it is to grow, must be a church for all. Not just people like me or people like you, but instead must be a community which shows the world who we believe Jesus to be by enthusiastically bringing together, binding together, comprehending all kinds of people so that we might love and respect and honor them well. Tomorrow's church is to grow. Tomorrow's church is to thrive. And its bright and beautiful future can only be built with love. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.